0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes and no moth destroys. where your treasure is there your heart will be also the gospel of the Lord so what is poverty what is it that makes some people drawn to abject poverty in love and service to God it's not a new question stripping yourself selling everything and giving all to the poor that's how Francis began he and Claire and her sister Agnes and their mother eventually were hardly the first Jesus sent out his disciples practically naked. Remember, don't take a second tunic, don't take a second pair of sandals, don't take anything. And they were dependent on the grace of God to supply them through the grace given to mercy and compassion by strangers. Jesus was always pretty clear about the rich, although he never said that all riches were bad. Uh, when Nicodemus came to him, he taught him, he was a learned man, and he taught him some of the great mysteries. But he didn't tell him to quit the Sanhedrin and sell all his clothes and, and follow him. He had a different role. Uh, but Jesus definitely told the rich young man, well, sell everything, and the young man said, oh, "That that's kind of a step too far, because he was attached to his property. And from the earliest church, great saints found their way into caves, trusting in God alone as they practiced severe ascetic disciplines, embracing hunger and pain and any kind of discomfort they could make up. And all of it was to reach God and a total dependence on God. That was their goal. But Francis looked out, not to himself, he looked to the poor, to the diseased, and the shunned. He wasn't about to go into a cave. He went out and preached. He called the people to seek God alone. So, what gripped Pe- Claire, the daughter of a rich man who's possibly a count from what I've read? Was she just moved by Francis' eloquence enough to let him dress her in a rough gown and cut her hair? And then do the same with her sister Agnes when she came along, not long after that. Hardly the 21st century saved church. Uh, They say her brothers came out and tried to drag them back by their hair and they didn't have any hair to drag them by. Yet this was the beginning of a movement to cleanse and reform the church. To reform it as Jesus had meant it to be and yet within the stability of the institution which guarded the Holy Word and the Holy Table. But poverty, seen as total trust in God, doesn't only mean to sell everything and feed and clothe the poor. Well, it probably always does mean to feed and clothe the poor, but not necessarily to strip down the way. Francis just took off all his clothes. He was standing there stark naked in the middle of, Assisi, and what a scandal. His father must have just dying when he heard. Remember, Gregory the Great wanted a simple monastic life. He was wealthy enough to withdraw from public life to his own estates, but he had been trained and had served in the government, um, the church government and the civil government, which were pretty much the same thing. And he'd been trained from a young age how to be a civil servant so that when he was practically forced to give up the simple life of poverty and prayer, his poverty was to give that up and to sit on the papal chair So he was a great pope, not only through his faith and love of God, but through his practice, practical training in ruling. But he had to give up something, and what he had to give up was abject poverty and and all those calmness that you'd find in a monastery. And of course, he sent out some men from that monastery, including Augustine of Canterbury, my, um, my patron to convert the English and become the first Archbishop of Canterbury, which brings us to the Archbishop of Canterbury. As you know, I've been following, I followed faithfully what was broadcast. A great deal was broadcast uh, from the Lambeth Conference. I am most impressed by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin uh, Welby. He came to the church from years of management in the oil industry of all things. And then he moved to serve the uh, National Health uh, Service in England. Oh, please, God, if we had a National Health Service. And finally, God must have found him well enough stewed (laughs) that he was turned and became a parish priest. And now is the glue that is holding together the messy, argumentative, opinionated confusion called the Anglican Communion. He gave up great wealth and great power. Now, he ended up with a great deal more power, but I have heard him talk, he does not carry that. He carries the burden. So, poverty is a funny thing. It's what, as, as it said, what, where is your treasure? And what do you have to get, give up to seek that treasure? and the treasure is gone. The gospel tells us not to be afraid, little flock. God will give you the kingdom, sell everything. Those things are perishable. What is real treasure? The kingdom of heaven? One kind of poverty is the total trust which allows Francis and Claire and those first disciples sent out two by two to give up great wealth and power in the world to spread the word of God through preaching and serving the poorest of the poor. Another does the hard work of running institutions. I mean, I thank God that Richard is now spending a week with his brother doing pretty much nothing but praying. Yesterday he renewed his vows and 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 they, even after Compline, after four services and a Eucharist, um, they're gathering together and saying a rosary. I mean, this is a time of deep prayer and lectures and, and together. And yet when he comes back here, what does he do? He's running an institution. You know? Um, so it's running an institution, deploying evangelists, setting doctrine, all to provide a substrate on which the spiritually inspired, can spread the word. And here, that's you guys, as well as me and Richard. It gives us a place to do that. Archbishop and his team have been preaching that the church, through Jesus, brings salvation to the world. And he's not missing words about that. And it's a program called God's Church for God's World. And to do that, Many would have to give up income and regular sleep, pouring out their lives for the people of God that they serve, embracing the generosity of God. The hospitality of the relationship of the persons of the Trinity brought to life in us the gifts of the holy table through total obedience, commitment to God's will and word. They came up with a new phrase of that, to that. It's called intentional discipleness. This in te- being an intentional disciple. That's a 24-hour day job. You become a disciple in everything that you do. And we hear that so often in the in the sermons from Richard and from other people. That we are first Christians, then we're all this other stuff that's really good and really holy, but that we carry that as the as the, as the light, as the focus. We know that Jesus enjoyed a nice meal and evening with friends and we we're urged to embrace moderation. Take care of yourself. But somehow that isn't enough. How close can we get to the secular world without forgetting God? Is moderation enough? Can we go full bore ascetic? Or is that a sin of purity? A touch of challenge, even Pride. But the overwhelming tug of the heart remains, nothing is as important as God. That call will not let us go once God calls us, we are his. All is his. Claire wanted more than moderation, and her more was less. Her discipleship was a mad adventure to be hidden away from her father and her brothers, her learning to take charge of a community, her rule mostly looks like the rule of any other cloistered nun. Until you get to the part about the behavior of sisters who leave the cloister to serve the poor. That is not exactly the life of a cloistered 13th century Italian nun. She knew what she wanted. She knew what God wanted of her. And that led her to resist the call to give up the... the, profound poverty, and she insisted on perpetual uh, poverty. You know, I have an ascetic streak. I've been driven all my life to give it all up and had to fight off the accusations which said, you're not taking care of yourself. But for me, that's what God calls me to. I'm no Claire. I have periodic binges of retail therapy. I know it's a lack of discipline, but oh my, I can't help myself. And so Claire held the line for her community. And with reason, because one step into the world, and ours is overwhelmingly tantalizing with temptation. You go there, and there goes the ballgame. What Jesus wants is true poverty. Giving our all in compassion for others, the poor, the needy, the hungry, our gift may be to bind wounds to spoon and feed the starving, young and old, and the dying. It may be sharing a meal and listening patiently, offering friendship and respect. Or it may be to give up an executive job to use our talent to spread the gospel. What Claire teaches us is the freedom of trusting God. And there is no need to grasp and maneuver and worry there will always be enough. There will always be Jesus' holy table and Jesus' holy spirit to feed feed and clothe us. And that is enough. Amen. at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.